Hey, I'm Jenny. And I'm Hillary, and you can call us... The Garden Tarts. You know, kissing lips and breaking hearts. We have been bestest friends for over 25 years, and we love to talk you too. We've had some super ridiculous adventures, and now this podcast, which is pretty much all opinion with a handful of facts thrown in. Why a YouTube podcast? Because as much as we love talking you two, we know you do too. So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter so we can chat. Well, welcome to side B of the Joshua Tree. We, if you are just tuning in now, you miss side A. Go back and up. Or two. This is the um, continuation if you didn't figure out side A, side B. Yeah, like the old cassettes and vinyls. Yeah. You kids probably don't know what that is. Vinyls, they're pretty cool nowadays. Yeah, yeah, vinyls. You can understand flipping over a vinyl. Hip. Yeah, gotcha. I think my, actually, my version of, my new version of the Josh Tree with the gold disc, I think the entire album is on both sides. Oh, well, that's convenient for listening, but not convenient for knowing where side B starts. No, no, no. I think I'm right about that. I could be incorrect, but don't fact check me. It doesn't matter. Okay, it's cool. (laughs) So this is an interesting side because all the major hits are on side A. Yeah, the running order of the album was very, very perfect. I mean, they knew what they were doing, except that all the big singles, the big songs are on side A. But if you want, you know, a better side A than side B, then they did everything right. Right. I read some article just recently as I was doing research for this, and it was like, the Joshua Tree is not the masterpiece you remember it being. I thought that was interesting, and I read into it a little bit, and then it got long, and I got bored. And I'm like, I don't need to read this anymore. But it was basically, it was like, all the hits are up front. Yeah. And then, then, they, then they said, Bono could sing the phone book, and he would sound amazing. Right. So he referred it, to side B as the phone book. The phone book. It is again, a little harsh. Yeah, it is, again, an example of where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts parts where where we talked about god what was it i don't know another album where the individual songs were good but the album as a whole didn't didn't hold yeah it maybe was unforgettable Unforgettable Fire. fire yeah that each song was stronger than the album as a whole which is interesting really interesting right but the songs that were good are absolutely amazing. Amazing. Well, in the the Joshua Tree, the hits are just so the good stuff is so good that it makes up for the stuff that's just great. But even the right, even the worst of the Joshua Tree is still better than almost any song off of any other album ever in the history of the world. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. No, you mean it, up to the current history? I mean, I, I'm being being very liberal when I say. Ever for the history of the world, but the worst <laughs> song on the Joshua Tree is still better than the best song on most other albums. So, how have you been this week? I've been pretty good. It's been a little bit of a rough week. I hurt my back last week, which has kept me out of all the things I love, which is mostly lifting heavy things and kicking stuff. <laughs> I haven't been able to do any of that until today. I went back to the gym today and 
it was I was very slow, but I was glad to be back there. But other than that, things are good. How about yourself? I have had a weird weekend. I uh, it did Saturday. I did my intro to trapeze yoga class, which was fun and really exhausting. And then um, I went out to a uh, distillery in Newport News, Ironclad, with my friend Kelly and two of my cousins and drank quite a bit and they had all these dogs there that were just the cutest sweetest things and we Aww. laughed a lot yeah. and I had a really good time and then Saturday Sunday morning I went to have a fancy brunch with my parents and my aunt whose birthday was the day before so very nice it was a very nice weekend I wanted to do all those things yeah, it was it was fun. I wish I'd spread it out a little more because it was like way too much fun for like two days where now I'm going to have like nothing to do this week. <laughs> and you're sore from trapeze yoga? I'm sore, really sore from trapeze yoga and the weather has been crazy. So I'm having allergy and asthma issues. And when I cough, it hurts because trapeze oh, no. yoga tried to kill me. <laughs> but I probably still am going to go back. Yeah. I see that you're wearing your inspired red campaign sweatshirt. I am. God knows how old this is. Super jealous of that. It's It's that time of year. It is that time of year. You should shop red for the holidays and, you know, help eradicate AIDS. I'm also wearing what you can't see, but I'm also wearing red leggings. They're not red brand, but they're red leggings with white hearts on it. Oh, very nice. So what are you drinking? I have, I decided to change up my straight up whiskey this evening and went with my usual Jameson, but added a ginger beer that coincidentally happens to be from Australia. No way. Which I say, I had it in the fridge from some party we had like a thousand years ago. And I don't usually drink those beers like the, I mean, it's like, it's like root beer, but ginger, like it's not alcoholic, but the U2 is playing in Australia right now. If you're listening to this later. So I thought that was just a pleasant little surprise. And Very. it's quite nice. I've got it chilled on some ice. And I'm really enjoying it. Um, I am drinking. It is called Blue Chair Bay Key Lime Rum Cream. and what? I can I know. And I cannot read the label on it. Even with reading glasses. Whoever the <laughs> hell decided... To write this is a really stupid idiot because with reading glasses, yeah, I cannot read it. Reading it glasses crazy. that are like pretty strong. It has something. The brand has something to do with Kenny Chesney. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. I saw it in the, in the liquor store, and I'm like, that sounds good. And then I saw it on the big bottle because seriously, this is like. Holy crap, small writing. <laughs> like, I don't know how you could ever read this, but it has a little story on it that I can't read that has something to do with Kenny Chesney. Is it like the same label they have on the big bottle? They just put it on a little yes. airplane bottle? Yeah, I'm going to actually do the smartest thing ever that one of my clients showed me how to do it once was to take a picture of something you can't read on your phone and then blow it up. Oh, which... that's brilliant. I still cannot read it because <laughs> it's like green writing on a green bottle. Yeah, I can see it with like a trans, like a clear label, like so it's yeah. just blending in. 
Maybe it's, once it's empty, it'll be easier. Maybe, but it has something to do with Kenny Chesney, who I'm not really a fan, but the other flavor that they had, I think they had three flavors, but the only ones that I was interested in were the key lime rum cream and banana rum cream, which That's I also purchased. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have our own liquor sometime. Yeah, and so also this lady at... Ironclad, who told me about the banana, Kenny Chesney, said there is some peanut whiskey. What? Called Screwball. And I'm like, that's really weird. And how the hell am I ever going to remember that when by the time I get to the liquor store? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't write it down. And I went to the liquor store and I found the Kenny Chesney banana stuff and the key lime stuff. And I asked, I'm like... So, I don't know if I'm being punked here, but I think that the lady at the bar said there was something called screwball whiskey. And she was like, yeah, we're out of it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll be back. (laughs) So, I'm almost done with this bottle of Jameson. And the last time I went to refill my whiskey rations, I was like, I'm not going to buy a Jameson. I'm not going to buy Jameson. I'm going to get something different. And I didn't. But they had one. It was way on the bottom shelf. It was kind of hidden, and it was way less expensive, but I'm, I might get it next time. It's an Irish whiskey, and it's called, like, Two Gingers or something. Huh. It has a picture, like a drawing of, like, two women on it. I might, I might have to get it and support these women entrepreneurs Definitely. creating whiskey out of Ireland Definitely. and try it. I feel like the whole bottle was like $10 or something. Oh my god, you should get that. So it's just... probably gonna make you sick, though. For $10, I wouldn't ha- put all my hopes and dreams into that bottle. And if it's $10 for something that's not mass-produced, well, it's in my local Cleveland grocery store. So. Right, you should get it. Well, my other purchase, aside from the little bottles of peach cello and key lime rum cream and banana rum cream, I also got this seasonal... Bailey's, which I'm a giant sucker for. Yeah. That is time. red velvet. Oh. Red velvet Bailey's. So I haven't opened that up yet. We'll see how that I'm goes. Such a sucker for seasonal brands. Oh my god. Seasonal flavors. They I have like a pepperminty mocha one, don't they? I don't know. I still I still have some left from the summer, which was strawberry, which was delicious. I've not had that. Like last year, they had the salted caramel as the seasonal thing, but now it's a regular flavor. Oh, nice! Daily, so it's not seasonal. I did not love it. Well, yeah, I didn't love it, but but we had I one. drank the bottle, so must must not have been that bad. I feel like the last time you were here for New Year's, we used a seasonal Bailey's that turned into a drink we called Fudge Teeth. It was. But was that the one we were in the grocery store and I texted your bartender? My bartender who was seeing some child's movie during the day by himself. <laughs> and you're like, what do I need to get to pair with this Bailey's flavor? And he's like, hang on, wait until this cartoon movie's done and then I'll see. <laughs> but we're in the store now. Yeah. Store then. We could get that then and then we had to go to the liquor store to get proper liquor. Right. Anyway, today's his birthday. Happy birthday. Kip. Hey, it is also the birthday of Octon Baby. It is the birthday of Octon Baby, which I, I have a note about. We Happy Octon birthday, Octon Baby! It's 28 years old. 28. That's crazy. 
which means I have been a U2 fan for almost 28 years. Nice. Maybe 27. It is a lot more. It's like 60-some percent of my life. I did the math once. Wow. It's like 63% of my life or something. That's crazy. I have a little note about that, which I forgot okay. about until you just said that. I also never got the connection that um, Kip's birthday was the was the Octone Baby. That must have been a nice birthday. So I bought my Octone Baby CD at Mother's Records and Tapes. It was the cardboard format. Okay. Not the not the jewel case. And I remember this because Mothers had a lifetime guarantee on all CDs and cassettes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And they put a sticker on each CD case, which for this one pissed me off because it yeah. was a freaking cardboard and it ruined the case. And that just wasn't cool. Isn't that cool. Then I was trying to remember if I bought it at the Mother's Records at Tapes at Coliseum or at Patrick Henry Mall. And I don't remember. But I also don't remember where that CD went. And maybe it's in heaven along with the defunct Mother's Records and Tapes. I guess the guarantee, the lifetime guarantee was for their lifetime and not mine or the CDs. <laughs> May they rest in peace, all of them. Because they're not pertinent to society anymore. Should we pour something for the fallen? <laughs> pour it in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're both mother's records and tapes and my Octum baby cd are in heaven together cheers cheers i have a few versions of Octum baby i bought it on in the regular cassette with the i mean cd with the jewel case but i later was at like a resale record resale shop and bought the cardboard version and gosh i really wish i remember when I got it, it was not when it first came out. It was recommended by some friends. And I went out like that day and got it. But I don't remember if it was 91 or 92 or... I got it within a few days of it coming out. But I don't I don't think I got it on the day. But it was within, within a few days. Well, let's but, get, should we get into side B here? Yeah, let's get inside B. We mm-hmm. can... We have way more to talk about Octum Baby. And I might tell that story again about Mother's Records and Tapes. Because you guys are probably going to forget it. And I really I like that story. I was going to tell my whole Finding Out about Octum Baby story. But decided to save it. Yeah. We've, we have a whole album for that. And that might be like three separate episodes. Yeah. It oh very well could be. Holy. Side We've been A, calling... side C. Side C. <laughs> side notes, appendix. Right. Glossary. Ad- addendum. <laughs> part one. Side so... B, part one. <laughs> We're just going to do a song per episode. Yeah. Hey, remember when we listened to You Talking You Two to Me? Yeah. And there was a whole episode that they didn't talk about the album at all that they were supposed to talk about. And so they had to go back and the next episode, like they had 0%. <laughs> album yeah (laughs) and then the next one they went to was like a straightforward i think it was baby too for some reason i remember being excited like i can't wait to hear what they say about oxen baby and then there was none but like two hours of harry potter (laughs) and blue turtling (laughs) (laughs) and god knows what else i need to go back and do it oh so we had been we called side A, we called that episode Taking on Goliath because Joshua Tree is so huge, which is why we're breaking it into two. But but we know that, like, this is, Joshua Tree is the Goliath, but Octon Baby is going to be, like, the 
mammoth. <laughs> like, right. Is a mammoth bigger than a goliath? I don't know. I don't it's think so. It's gonna be like um, a beast. We need to come up with some war reference. I think we're out of biblical. This is like war time. Yeah. Not war like the album, but like some sort of global war. And we're like, you know what? We're what? like the Maccabees. <laughs> we're the Mac- <laughs> <laughs> hey, how, how that's pretty, huh? We are back to biblical stuff. Yeah, going, I mean, Bible, war, it all, they all go together. Yeah, we're the Maccabees. We, um, we're going to take it on. Let's uh, keep on shining. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so song, when I'm shining, everybody's gonna shine. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Lizzo. <laughs> yes. Okay, so side B of the Joshua Tree starts with track six, Red Hill Mining Town, which has been played 56 times, and I have heard it five. And I've times. heard it three every time on the Joshua Tree tour. Yeah, so it. It was never played during the original Joshua Tree War because Bono had a hard time singing it. The first performance ever in the history of the world, U2 World, it was played live, was the first show of the anniversary tour in Vancouver, uh, May 12th, 2017. And I was there. That was the first time it was ever played live. Ever played, ever, ever. So I want to know, I have this about a later song. I don't, I think a lot of these songs on this album are out of, are not in his range. No, I think you're correct about that. They're not in his key signature, which I've learned recently is B flat. Okay. Fascinating. I didn't know that. That was in YouTube by YouTube. Yeah. Gotcha. For some reason that stuck with me. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. The song is not about America at all however it is bob dylan influence that's what i have it i think yeah. that it's bono's take on the american folk song but i don't think it worked out the way he planned it the theme comes across but the music just it kind of fell yeah. flat for me it's not yeah. my favorite song on the album it's not mine either but i just need to say about that in a okay. minute can i talk a little bit about the background go for it of yeah the subject so there was a big huge minor strike in britain it was a really big deal of which i know very little about and bono said that he was interested so you know they're diving into politics and talking a little bit about politics there's some quote that i have later on about how he doesn't feel that it's his he can tell the stories but it's not his job to get on the soapbox to preach to people Spoiler alert. <laughs> to quote yes. you. Spoiler yeah. alert. But he's interested in the personal side of things. He says that he got beat up because it was not more political and that he should have been out there preaching more and fighting for the people and fighting for the strike. But he said that he doesn't know what it's like to be working in the mine and working in the pit, but he understands what relationships are like. He understands what it's like for these men who are going home and they have families and wives and money is short, but the kids need to get to school and food needs to be on the table. So that is what the song is about. It's the personal struggle absolutely, of the minor strike versus the political side of it. The minor strike... And, and subsequent mine closures were, were in actually in the UK. And 
it's not American, obviously, but it parallels what was going on in the U.S. because Margaret Thatcher, her administration wasn't very kind to the underprivileged, like right. Ronald Reagan. So that that's the uh, minor strike. But it's interesting, you're yeah, because how he can't relate to Mm-mm. that any more than we can relate to you know being a rock singer in a band, right? Or minors. Or miners. Yeah. I've never been in a working mine. No. There is one set of lines that through hands of steel and heart of stone, our labor day has come and gone. That is apparently, there is a, I did not write his name down, but there is a big um, player in the striking movement. And that is specifically about him. So labor day is talking about laboring. Like the working, labor part. Well, yeah. Or, like okay. working in the mines. Mm-hmm. Um, I have specifically called out this verse that's, Starts with the glass is cut, the bottle run dry, our love runs cold in the caverns of the night. We're wounded and feared, injured and doubt. I can lose myself who I can't live without. That's been noted. Like that's that personal relationship right. in the home with the miners and his wife and his, whether it's his wife or his family, I don't know. And, but now like having read all of that, this is, I was talking to someone recently, she who lives in Europe, and we we're talking about New Year's Day and about how hearing, like for me, hearing New Year's Day live in Europe was a completely different experience. Absolutely. Than New Year's. Like here in America, we're very detached mm-hmm. from the actual subject matter of that song. And it clicked in Europe for me. So this is one like I've just never clicked with it mm-hmm. because I knew it had historical reference and mm-hmm. I didn't understand the history. And hadn't looked it up. Right. So I never well, never felt attached to this song. It's not unlike, you know, what pretty consistently goes on in, like, West Virginia. We just, right. that's just not really, new, for some reason, not newsworthy here, where I think that, especially at the time, there were more labor workers, you know, in yeah. the UK that were you know, vocal about it. You're right. Like the mining industry and the coal industry here in America is a huge deal Mm -hmm. and they are suffering. And I guess it's just not something I'm tied to personally. Right. Um, so the song in itself, I have a Larry quote. Okay. He says a lot about this album. Yeah, he does. He said that the song had potential, but it was underplayed and overproduced. And I, I totally, totally get that. Especially the overproduced part. Because it's almost like, I don't know, there's something in the music that comes forefront that I feel like shouldn't be there. And the thing with the anniversary tour for Joshua Tree 30, they redid the song and added horns, which to me made it even worse. Even more overproduced. I didn't mind it live. Live is they, a totally different story. But they... So they released that as a new sing, like a new single, right? Not like a radio single, but a new release, a new version, and it's like it made me really appreciate the original version because in the original version you hear this band playing and the singer singing, but yeah, to me it's like it's almost like there's like a little glossy coating over it, like it's like kind of holding it back, like mm-hmm. you can't get it. But in the new version, Bono sounds amazing. His voice well, sounds his, amazing. His me. vocals aren't all new. He no. mixed old vocals with new vocals. Right. But I think it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden you can't hear the band. Mm-mm. 
it's like they've amped up the vocals, they've turned down the band and added in these horns. And I feel like they lost an opportunity there. I agree with that. But it's exactly what Larry said, that it's underplayed and overproduced. And by adding the horns, that just, to me at least, made it more obvious that it's underplayed and overproduced. Right. I don't I don't love this song. I mean, I it's my least favorite song on the album. And I mean, I again, the words are, you know, the lyrics are great. I don't really have like major complaints. I just don't like it. It's just not it's not in one of my uh favorite E2 songs by any means. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that quote from Larry about it being yeah. overproduced because I couldn't put my I'm like, "Why is this like turned down?" Right. Like, to me, the, the whole song is just like, the, why is the volume turned down? Right. But, but again, with that re-release... It's muffled. Almost. With that re-release, they took the, the two bad things about the album and magnified them. Mm-hmm. Instead of making one or the other, you know, strengthening one or the other, they made it even more underplayed and more overproduced. Anyway, that's very deep of Larry to say that. I like that quote. I mean, I just yeah. it, it really struck with me. That's all I have to say about Red Hill Mining That's Town. That's all I have, too. I wish, I feel like, I would love for them to the apps just completely re-record it. That I'd would be interested to hear what would come out of that. Yeah, that would be I really want, good. I want to hear the band. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so track seven of the Joshua Tree, which is In God's Country. Which is one it of my favorite songs in this favorites. album. Favorites. It's been played 178 times, which is updated up to okay right now and i've heard it six times i have heard it four times plus a snippet i just assume this is a song i would never hear like when i hear it on the album i just assume it's never going to be played live again because you can just hear like this is not bono's this is not in his range it is a key that is not his key and i just always assume like this is just too hard for him to sing live there's no way he can do it So on the Elevation Tour in 2001, I was out in Phoenix, and I had this gut. I'm like, I'm in the desert. If anything's going to happen, if I'm ever going to hear this song, it's going to be here. And sure as hell enough, so the uh, Elevation Tour started with the song Elevation, and he snipped it in during it. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in the desert, and I'm here in God's country. It was just a little tiny bit. Then, of course, I heard it three times on the JT30 Tour, but also, and I had forgotten about this, I heard it on, so in 2001, again, Elevation, in Miami, Edge and Bono did an acoustic version at the tip of the heart, and I found video of it, and Bono plays a harmonica, and if he has ever been accused of murdering the harmonica, <laughs> holy shit. We were there then, I'm like, right? stop. We were together, weren't we? Yeah, we were there. That was the end of the tour. Yeah. That was... I didn't go back and look to see what my extra times I heard it were. Was that... We went from Tampa to Miami? Yeah. We drove overnight. The Tampa show ended. And we hopped (laughs) in a convertible and drove four or five hours. You slept in the back. I did. This This is a great story because I actually, they had three shows in three different locations in three days. I went to Atlanta, Tampa, and Miami. 
You did them I all. Did, I went to all three show, three shows, three days, three different cities. And when we drove from Tampa to Miami again in a convertible, and I had a um, I had a sleeping bag. And when I woke up, I had slept through the night, and I was like covered <laughs> in dew. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, oh my gosh, it's going to be the Florida night sky. It was cold. It was freezing. <laughs> we had the top down. I was covered in dew. <laughs> and I mean, like, this was, I did this twice that tour where I got in a car after a show to drive to the next city. I'm like, Alama does some stupid shit. Like, right? <laughs> that is exhausting. But so, funny story about that. I happened to have the, was in contact with them with a member of the crew and for some reason on that drive I called her and was like oh we're driving from Tampa to Miami we have just a we have a few hours left she's like oh it's funny we just landed god <laughs> I was like <laughs> fuck you <laughs> I mean you if we're all up? going to the same place we may as well go together can, we, can you come get us just come back <laughs> It's like Fly 1 a.m. <laughs> in the middle of the state of Florida. But anyway, I'm going to send you that video. Like, he okay. goes, the harmonica, it's like, just just stop. Stop. This totally ruins another part of this review for me. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we talked about in our, whatever, a few episodes ago, when we were talking about the first shows in New Zealand, how he's actually really good at the harmonica. And then I saw this video. Yeah, God, awful. Anyway, I'll send you. Okay, in yeah, God's country, I love this song. In so God's much. country, in God's country, I feel like it's always just been uh, like little, not like a little secret love, but it's not streets or with or without you or still haven't found, but it's like this little gem. On it side is, and, and it's, it's short. Five, I forgot it's about so it. Short. It is. I, every Joshua Tree show I saw, the anniversary tour, I forgot about it. Every single show. And it was so exciting. Like, okay, Trip Through Your Wires is next or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> In God's country. In God's country. So I learned something new. And this verse that says, desert rose, dreamed I saw a desert rose, dressed torn in ribbons and in bows. Like a siren, she calls to me. That's a dream that Bono had. That's crazy. That America came to him as a dream, dressed as a desert rose. And her dress was all torn. This could very easily be confused as a love song for America. But it's actually not. It's when someone that you love has turned into something that you can't respect in the moment. Right. So again, Ronald Reagan just like fuck shit up. Yeah, so I have a really, or kind of my brain went off on a huge tangent when I was uh, preparing for this this song. And it was just one line, I mean, it was, it was the one lyric that she is liberty, she comes to rescue me, hope, faith, or her vanity, the greatest gift is gold. So for some reason, I just started thinking about the Statue of Liberty and how everyone says, you know, oh, it's a beacon to freedom. It's a beacon to the idea of America where the streets are paved with gold and everybody's guaranteed food and land and bullshit that was never true. But I started thinking, and this is, I feel really pretentious, I feel like a super nerdy, pretentious asshole for saying this, but it made me think that the Statue of Liberty is more like a siren, 
like luring sailors with yeah. beautiful music to get shipwrecked. It's not a beacon of hope. It's like, come here, <laughs> and right. then we're we're gonna ruin your life or something. And I wouldn't usually say that, except that this album has really made me think about Ronald Reagan. And really made me think about our current crappy administration. And so it's not really a beacon of hope. It's, you know, like that story with the siren, the mythology of yeah. the sirens on the island. that She draws these... you in and then she murders you. Yeah, <laughs> you get shipwrecked. And, and it's like a that... siren she calls to me. It's Yes, I got all of that. You know, I just, this all came to me, but it's not a, yeah, it's not a beacon. There's no beacon of hope any, you know, with the Statue of Liberty. It's also, you know, you don't come into the country usually through there anyway, anymore. So we can't talk about this song without talking about Edge's guitar. Yes. Because it is like rip roaring, screeching. Yeah. And almost like the song is very U2-y, but I'm not sure that. Like kind of poppy, but I'm not sure that Edge's guitar matches the matches it in like a well, perfect way. I love Edge's guitar in this. I think you're right. It's it works, but it doesn't. Uh, you wouldn't think that's you don't when you list, start listening to the song. You don't think that's where it's going to end up. Yeah. But I read a thing that Edge said they just needed an up tempo song uh, to fit the album, and in God's Country was useful but not a good song. And that huh. hurt my heart because it's such a good song. But I then I read this this Bono story that he said he was frustrated trying to get rock and roll uh, music out of Edge. <laughs> you get it, you get it. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. He was trying to get rock and roll music out of Edge's guitar. And so to prove a point, he picked up a guitar and wrote this, like, crazy quickly just to prove to edge that you can write a rock song yeah without you know spending a million years <laughs> doing it and so edge was like well that sucks so he'd have to fix it which he did <laughs> which was bono's evil plan all along and then i read that larry so great yeah larry had the same story and so you know that's true <laughs> right <laughs> because i believe every word larry says larry has never led me wrong with truth never ever never. ever i do like the so between the second to last and last verse so it's sad eyes crooked crosses in god's country and then before naked flame she stands in naked flame all of a sudden there's like this acoustic guitar comes in and then Adam comes in with the bass so like this little build up before Edge yeah. starts like going squeezing. crazy yeah it's, it's such a cool build up I love this I mean and I love Edge's rock and roll he kills it I don't know what his problem is except that maybe he spends too much time with the ambient and nefarious Brian Eno <laughs> my favorite lyric is oh. just the one lyric, I mean, I love all the lyrics, but We Need New Dreams Tonight is always kind of in my heart. I love. It's just perfect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that like that was part of it coming in his dream. Yeah. Like he saw this dream and he's like, I need a new one. Yeah. I love that little fact. I was really happy to have that. I hope it's actually true. It is now because in my mind, God's history. I'm sorry that you don't like it, Itch. 
Maybe he does yeah. like it. But you know what? He, he doesn't have to like it. He can suck it. We like it. Yeah, right? Suck yeah. it, Edge. You're gonna it's a good song. It. Like we're this is the opposite of <laughs> of bon- like this. I mean, like he's perfect in it. Why would he even say that crap? Right? Whatever, Edge. Hey there, listeners. If you're a U2 fan, you are more than likely aware of the work that Bono has done and continues to do in Africa. It's amazing work, and the exciting thing is you can get involved too. There are two simple ways. One, go to one.org and sign up to fight against extreme poverty. Two, visit red.org to shop. What? Shopping helps? It sure does. By purchasing Red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the Garden Tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. Okay, so track eight off the Joshua Tree is Trip Through Your Wires. It has been played 141 times, and I have heard it five. And I've heard it three, all for the Joshua Tree, 30 tour. Bono has referred to it as a hootenanny. Hootenanny. Which is really it is. It's just, it's a country song. It is, yeah. Get on your boots, tie up your horse, (laughs) get out your harmonica. Sit on a barrel, like little Carl. (laughs) Little Carl, the fucking dead. (laughs) <laughs> Carl, get Carl. in the house, Carl. <laughs> oh, Rick, why can't he just say Carl's name normal? Or because he's British and it has a fake Southern accent. <laughs> Carl, <laughs> get back in the house, Carl. <laughs> I, I love her. Sometimes my husband, and I walk around the house, it's like Carl. <laughs> <laughs> God, that damn Carl. Oh my gosh, if you don't know what we're listening to, you have to talking about you have to go back to side A. Yeah. Except you you really should know what we're talking about. Pop culture. Okay, so I interestingly didn't really love this song until we started preparing for this podcast, which now I really like it. I don't know what happened, but I think that, you know, when I listen to a U2 song, I kind of listen, I hold on to every word, every chord, mm-hmm. everything, like, so tightly. Like, I have to overanalyze everything. But this song, I just like. Like, I didn't dig deep to anything in it. I just listened to it without, you know, being cerebral. And right. I like it. It definitely sounds unfin. I mean, it has that studio sound, which I generally don't like. But, but it works with the song. It totally works with the song. Like, if it was crazy mixed and produced, right. uh, it wouldn't work. It totally works. My other... I have one more statement about this song, and then I'm out, because I really was... I really just thought about the song as a whole instead of dissecting it. But I love Bono's harmonica. And before so you good. said that... Before <laughs> you said that before, I said... Yeah, I, I call bullshit when he says otherwise. <laughs> I'm like, that's back to the Bubby Bono thing. Yep. It's too it, salty. It's, oy vey. <laughs> um, 
but I guess he's not wrong if you have this Miami show. Oh, just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's good every night. Right. But I kind of was proud of myself with this because I just left it. I didn't pick, you know, pick yeah. it through. Anyway, that's all I have about also, that. Also, there's no harmonica traditionally in in God's country. Right. So he just so he probably just hadn't taken out the harmonica in a while. Yeah. And maybe it was tuned for, maybe it was a different harmonica for yeah. a different song or something. Who knows? I'll send it to you. I'll My put brother, it in the show notes. I'll add it to the show notes. Y'all can see it. Yeah, please. Make your own decision. Go ahead. I have a funny story about uh, harmonica. My brother got a harmonica. He was in, I don't know, early high school. And uh, and he tried, you know, he played harmonica a little, tried guitar a little. Um, I think both of those fell through. But he, uh, my cousin Adam came over one night and (laughs) he was like, oh, this is cool. Can I try your harmonica? Yeah. I don't think he really thought about the dynamics of a harmonica, except that Jeremy, after Adam tries to play it for a little while, Jeremy was like, hey, have you ever, have you ever tried to play the harmonica with your nose? <laughs> and Adam's like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm not touching your harmonica again. No. <laughs> I just thought that was... Anytime I think about harmonicas, I think about that story. So, because, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I think Adam went in it blind. Like, you don't really want to share someone else's harmonica. There's a whole lot of spit in there. That is, like, fluid central. It, yeah. So don't <laughs> just use someone's harmonica. But before, if you're going to, make sure they don't play it with their nose first. Because <laughs> then it's, like, booker central. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> you're all related. Yeah. It's all family. So this song, I always kind of thought this song was fun and I was excited to hear it live, but hearing it live, like, definitely brought new life to it for me. And now it's even more fun. And I talked about on side A how um, I still still haven't found what I'm looking for is as American as this album gets because of the gospel roots. But Mm -hmm. I kind of forgot about this song because it's straight up country roots. Which the Irish did not invent. So I actually disagree with that. Really? I really do. Because if you listen to like the beginnings of country music that kind of comes from like bluegrass kind of stuff. Okay. That's straight up Irish music. You think so? Okay. To me, that's my that's my opinion. My dad has talked about that before. Interesting. So I, I might... Call bullshit on Larry on that one. That might be his first. uh... That might be the first thing you don't trust him on. Yeah. I don't know. But I really, I don't think that, I don't mean, I don't know that you can say it it was direct. I don't know. But I don't think that's so far off from the truth. I mean, this to me just comes straight out of like the Western saloon. Right. The song. And it's like sex, booze, and rock and roll. Like, I don't think there's any, like, maybe there's love of a woman in there. Maybe it's, maybe he's tripping through America. Like, who the fuck knows? It's just like, it's like, my mama's in jail. My grandma's sick. My dog got hit by a car. (laughs) Like, country music. Right? (laughs) Like, it's, my life is crazy. I hit my my boyfriend's car with a baseball bat. (laughs) I ain't got no shoes. (laughs) I love it. Like, there's no reason to dissect it because I really think 
I don't think a lot of work was done on it. I think some of it is live from the studio. I would have absolutely loved to have been in the studio. Yeah. When this came to life because it's, it is so know, much fun. It it sounds like fun. You know what it is? What? It's the stuff. The stuff of country of songs. Country songs. Hashtag pop 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 music. Oh my god, can we skip straight to talking about pop? No. I don't even want to talk about pop. I want to talk about Pop Mart. Yes. Okay. Another day. Another day. Another year. There's tambourines in this song. Donna plays tambourine. I have highlighted thunder, thunder on the mountain. There's a rain cloud in the desert sky. In the distance, she saw me coming around. But I don't know why I highlighted it. Like coming around the mountain? I was calling out. I don't know. I like I it. Like it. I just like it because I do. Yep. It's it's a hoot nanny. It is a hoot nanny. Next song. Okay. Well, that was light and fun. Let's move on to track nine. Ooh. One Tree Hill. Played 99 times. I've heard it five. I've heard it four times. And I've been having a like, my, my brain is a bit of a like a sieve. Things don't stick in it, which is why. Friends, fans, and listeners, I turned to my dear friend Hillary to tell me what happens in my life because I don't remember things. So I saw three Joshua Tree shows, which means I should have heard this three times. Mm-hmm. But my stats on at YouTube.com tell me I've heard it four times plus a snippet, which kind of blew my mind. So I looked, and on the 360 tour in 2011 in Chicago, that week was, and we'll get into this, that week was the anniversary of greg carroll's death and we'll talk more about him in a minute and they had the song ended the show ended with moment of surrender and bono threw in a snippet of one tree hill in tribute he dedicated the song to him and then they just decided to play the whole song afterwards (laughs) and watching videos of it on my brain's like having little like like little twitches like oh i was there i remember that i remember that so i have a little bonus in there that's very exciting. But so Greg Carroll, if you don't know, was um, he was from New Zealand and the band was original. Correct me if any of this is wrong, Hillary. The band was originally on tour in New Zealand. Bond was telling this story because they just finished touring. We just finished some shows in New Zealand. And he was on the local crew and he came to the band and he said, you're missing one thing. Your show's missing one thing. And they said, what? And he said, it's me. So they were That's like, That's new. Okay. That's a new added little bit of that yeah. story. Well, um, things grow. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just Bono never. But I, but I heard him mention that. Yeah. But maybe it's like the cliff notes. Well, anyway, it, he became a regular part of the crew. This was in '85. Uh, they were touring. They started yeah. the Unforgettable Fire tour in New Zealand. Right. Mm-hmm. But so what I didn't understand was that I mean I knew he was kind of like. Bono's assistant on stage, this and this and that. But what I didn't understand until recently that he had become not only like his personal assistant in his life, but like his truly best friend. Like he was helping, you know, when his wife needed, like when Allie needed things, when his wife, Allie. Allie. (laughs) Other one. Like Greg would help take care of that. And he was really like an integral part of the family, even outside of the U2 realm. And there was a, time when greg was doing a favor for bono he was riding bono's motorcycle to return it was in dublin to take it home and he was in a fatal car accident 
doing this favor for Bono on his bike. And this was during the recording of the Joshua Tree. And then this song, this as well. He died like days after they got back from the Conspiracy of Hope tour. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's so yeah. They met him, and and Bono said that on his the first night that they met him, their first night in New Zealand, that Greg took Bono up to One Tree Hill. He said there are seven volcanic islands that that make up Auckland, and the tallest is One Tree Hill. Yeah. And so the first day that, you know, he was friends with him, the first day he was in New Zealand, he had this, you know, kind of cool experience. Um, Yeah, so unfortunately he was killed, which really apparently affected a lot of people. There's a a Bono quote that just really kind of breaks my heart, but uh, he said that this was, you know, the second death in his life that he had to deal with aside from his mother's, but his quote exactly is, um, I guess the problem with dealing with death for me is that it's always the same death. It's always my mother dying. It's always the center of the universe disappearing and having to find another one, which just it's heartbreaking. is heartbreaking. It's absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. But he also said that it sort of set off what became the Joshua tree in terms of, you know, the, just gravity of the whole thing they had it said we had to fill the hole in our heart with something very very large indeed the song itself is if i understand correctly is a kind of retelling of the ceremonial funeral from greg's heritage in new zealand he was his family's was natives of the area and very traditional maori Yes, Maori, very traditional burial. Apparently it was like a three-day traditional service of sorts. And this tells the story, like Bono said, our heads, our heads spun and then they kept spinning. Right. Like it was he, just so, such an, an intense experience. So Larry and Bono and their significant others took Greg's body home to New Zealand Um to you know he was in dublin um so just all of it is just like horrible i can't even imagine going through something unthinkable yeah so i'd heard bono say this before but i never he didn't i didn't see it in anything that we that i read for this but i remember an interview years and years ago he said that his vocals were one take because he couldn't do it again I read that um, really recently. It's so at the re- end. It's yeah. mostly at the end. It's it's live in studio. Right. It's a moment. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't. I don't have a lot of additional. Like, I don't dissect this song so much because I feel like um, it speaks for itself. Just the raw emotion and the beauty. It's just perfect in every way. I just. But I mean, the the lyrics. God. I'll see you again when the stars fr- fall from the sky and the moon has turned red over one tree hill. That is just beautiful. 96, I was in Dublin and I visited Windmill Lane and a huge part of the wall, someone had written that on there. And I recently had to find the picture because the band has been in New Zealand just recently touring and visiting one tree hill and singing this song in the 
land where it was created. And for some reason, I took that picture. When I saw that written on the wall outside the band's studio, I just, there was something about it that just hung with me so much. And yeah. I, I put it up on Instagram. I'll link to it in the show notes because there's just something about it that stuck with me forever. I have noted that like everything about the song is every piece of it, whether it's the band, the instruments, the bono, like it's so subtle leading into it, but like it should, like it just flows so beautifully. Like it's right. so gorgeous. And then as it like climaxes with Bono's live moment of just absolute raging grief is insane. There's some quote when he said that he's like, who's going to ask me to do that again? Right. Like who's going to tell me to go through that again? Like right. no one's going to. Mm-mm. It's interesting at the end, the song kind of finishes and then it goes into that little, oh, great ocean, oh, great sea, run to the ocean, run to the sea. It took me a long time to remember what song that was part of. So originally, and this is my flows into the next track. Right. Originally, it was mistakenly attached to Exit. So if you played it on vinyl or if you played it on a CD, that end part of, of One Tree Hill was actually the beginning of track 10, which is Exit. Maybe that's why so, I was confused yeah, if, because it switched you, around. Right. If you listen to vinyl or CD, you did not hear it. Like it was absolutely like if you yeah. if you skip to the next song, exit started off with the oh, end of Montreal. Ocean. They fixed it, obviously. So like if you listen to it on you know Apple Music or any, any you know, it works correctly. Okay, One Tree Hill, I don't think I have anything else to say. It's just perfect. And I think it's just the perfect segue into Exit. Yes. Truck 10. Exit. It is one of my favorite U2 songs of all time. And it was number one on my bucket list to hear live for 25 years until I heard it on the anniversary tour. And now I've heard it five times. It has been played 167 times. They did play this on the original tour. Yes. And it was mayhem. Very much so, mayhem. My fun fact (laughs) is that when Bono injured his shoulder in D.C. during the original Joshua Tree tour, it was during Exit. I had been raining and he slipped and fell. And I think it was just out of control in his head anyway. But if you're ever brave enough to watch the Rattle and Hum outtakes, you can see the aftermath of that fall. And uh, Bono's visit to the hospital where he was so dazed he literally did not know his own name but also his wife Allie had to (laughs) (laughs) pause intended had to like tell them his name say I'm his wife I can give you his information because he wasn't capable of saying anything um but heads up those outtakes are like watching paint dry so good luck with that yeah good luck there's a few like that's an interesting moment and then when he discovers the squirrels in Memphis yeah we just told you the interesting things, so you don't need to watch it. So you can thank us for watching it on VHS a million years ago. And it's like on VHS, like a hundred generations old. Yeah, it's it's so like a copy, a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy times a times two hundred and sixty-nine. Yeah, <laughs> but if you Google, it is available on the internet somewhere. Bono with the squirrels in Memphis. Yeah is one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life. That is really good. 
I'll see if I can Google it and include it here. There's like I swear half of those outtakes, like two hours of those outtakes, are them in like some utility van in New York talking about nothing. And be like, are they still filming? Yeah, like not even. What are, we, are they filming? What are we talking you know, about? Like you like to hear about your rock stars being like normal people. This isn't even normal people. This isn't stuff you want to hear from rock stars. It's this is just like oh, there's a stop sign. Are we still? Are we still in Manhattan? <laughs> is, Rust, is Rusty still in the Navy? <laughs> <laughs> But now we don't need to mention that in the Rattle and Hum episode. (laughs) Covered it all. Are we at the airport clock? (laughs) Look, kids, Big Ben Parliament. (laughs) But that's the conversation. It's not interesting. (laughs) That scar on his chin he got during exit too. That was during bullet because he was holding the uh, the light and he fell on the light. I read some quote recently where he quoted that during exit, but you're right. He was wrong if he said that because it was during bullet. I read that during like researching this app, but you're right because you didn't have that. Yeah, if we. But it was during that tour. It was during the Joshua Tree tour. It was the first show of the Joshua Tree tour that I guess in the rehearsal the day before. Mm-hmm. Like the last rehearsal before the tour, he fell and he had to get stitches and uh so rough. And remember, remember that one time recently when he during Bullet when he had the spotlight and he <laughs> knocked his spectacles off his face. Remember that time we were <laughs> at Madison Square Garden and not paying attention and then all of a sudden <laughs> the backs of our heads were like hot hot on fire because the spotlight <laughs> on was on fire. It. And we turned around, we were blinded by the light. Ha! See what ah. I did there? Hashtag Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, apparently the rock star wants you to look at him all the time. All the time. And if not, Unless he's, he's messing up, up, then you can notice. Right. <laughs> anyway, exit. I would like to say, I think it's obvious that U2 has not written a song like this up to here. And I don't think they have ever written anything. My... My sentence is, this is nothing yeah. like you two has done before or has done since. No, this is, this is it. Dirty, noisy, angry, and it's not like Sunday Bloody Sunday or human rights angry. It's like vicious, murderous, angry, out of this control, chaos. If I could so boldly say, the devil inside. It, hey, I see what you did there. Yeah, um, if you, it, the, so the lyrics are so heavy and so full of rage. But if you take out the lyrics, it's like the drum, the guitars, the bass. It's almost like they're fighting each other, too. And they come it's, together. But it's like so angry altogether. The music, the lyrics, the singing. Something I don't think I noticed until I heard it live was how little time the lyrics actually take up in the song right right like it's more instrumental oh like crap it's a huge performance it's not uh to me this is what um which is what determines the difference between a concert and a show yes this songs like this make a show and when we usually we don't we rarely say concert if if you've not noticed we generally say show um, right, because 
These are we're, we're to planned it's, performances. Yeah. Vanu said that in a way it was like the bands purging their own demons, uh, their own anger and fury. And it was kind of like coming to terms with death and grief. And it was an exorcism. And I totally get exorcism when you yeah the song because there's a there's a lot of purging going on. So Bono said that he'd been reading the Executioner song and in Cold Blood, and he said this was his attempt at writing a story in the mind of a killer. And years later, I heard him discuss that preparing for the song he read in Cold Blood. So I read in Cold Blood, and it became it's a little light reading there for you. Like, it's a short book, and it, it is a short book, yeah. It's heavy, but it's so well written by Truman Capote. I still have never read the Executioner song, but I guess I should do that. But it, but In Cold Blood is is by far one of my favorite books, which I don't know what that says about me. But my redemption to that is saying one of my other favorite books is Peter Pan. But then I'm not sure what that's saying about you either. No redemption there. But Bono has said that you know this song has taken him to bad places and it's hard to come out of it. And I get that. I mean, there's, there's nothing half-assed about his performance of exit. He pours his entire being into that character. He created a new character for this tour called the shadow man that he said, like it like puts him in a bubble. That That's my phrase, but it protects him from getting hurt. It's something he can step into and then step out of because before he would step into the song and not, he would get physically hurt Right. And then had a hard time coming out of it. So he created this character that stems from something, but we'll talk about the JT tour another time. Yeah. But he said there's there's not a... People talk about whether this song's about a murder or someone committing suicide. And he's like, I don't care which one. People can talk about however they right. want it. He leaves that open. But man, this is just really one of my... It's my favorite off the Joshua Tree, I would have to say. But just the build-up, the... Oh, God. What it's a freaking so perfect song. And there, there's some interesting stuff in it musically. I hear, like, with the drum and the bass, I hear a heartbeat. Like, yeah. someone who's going fucking crazy. And, like, their heart racing. Sometimes it's calm. Sometimes it's not. And then there's also these crickets in the background. It's like a really? nighttime. You'll hear it. Mm-hmm. Like it starts in the beginning and you'll hear it later in the song too. It's it's like the dark of the night. It's the sound of the quiet outside. Right. It's crickets, like the bugs. And there's something about that. It is so creepy yet calming that's really fucks with my brain. Yeah. God, I just I'm looking at the lyrics again as you're talking and I can't even Look, I just have to smile. It's such a horrible song. <laughs> I mean, it, the lyrics are so just violent. And right. They shouldn't make me smile like this, but they're so perfect. Like, writing a song like that is... Oh, like, the, the lines, he wanted to believe in the hands of love. Right. I just, I, I love it so much. See, the and hands that Bill can also pull down. Oh, the hands that Bill can also pull down. The hands of love. The hands of love. The hands of love. Put your hand against the screen. <laughs> Television. I have a vision. That's another that's another tour and whole another episode. Oh, do you have more for exit other than just it's just absolutely fucking brilliant. 
No, I I can say how many times I think it's friggin' amazing. I can just keep saying that for another hour, but I think you guys got the point. So uh, track 11, the final track of the Josh Retreat, is Mothers of the Disappeared. It's been played 71 times, and I've heard it five. Three for me. We've talked about this in other episodes, that this is ending on a prayer. What? A U2 album ending on a prayer? What the heck? Okay, so I'll give you a little bit of backstory on this. It's the kind of, you know, the it's the same uh, time. Bono writes about the same time that he was in El Salvador that that they speak of, they play of in Bullet the Blue Sky. He said that you know, when he was, while he was there, there were stories of people who belonged to the opposition just being taken from their homes in the middle of the night and killed just for their beliefs. Like, no trial, just dead. These mothers, all they wanted to know was where their children were buried. And the same thing happened in Chile. But I think the thing to remember, which I kind of touched on in uh, during Bullet on side A, that this was a war. These people, these killers, were being bankrolled by the United States government. And it was... It wasn't like a secret, like they, like the Reagan administration asked Congress to sell arms to Iran to get the money to bankroll the Contras and Congress said no, and he did it. Yeah. And so I don't know, we're just kind of in a today, you know, with everything that's going on with talk of impeachment, this is a pretty heavy deal against it's congress which you sell money to our enemy I mean, you sell weapons to our enemy and then you use them to cause a civil war thousands yeah. and thousands of people were killed it just blows my mind that like i i again i didn't know all that history because i was a kid when that happened but listening to the lyrics listening you know reading up about this just makes me angry i i also feel slightly guilty because I don't love this song. I mean, it's so meaningful and important. It's just not my favorite. But again, every song on the Joshua Tree is amazing compared to most songs. And in the context of of that, it's a great song. It's just not my love. But that saying live, that's another story. It's a different story. I just, for me, the emotion doesn't come through and the story doesn't come through in the recorded version. No, not at all. There's a great quote from Bono. Someone asked him, do you feel a lot of sympathy for America? And this is where some of this repeats from the stuff he said, so I won't go into it. But he talks about his love-hate relationship with America, how he loves the people but not the politics. But he says, there's no question in my mind of the Reagan administration's involvement in backing the regime that is committing these atrocities. I doubt if the people of America are even aware of this. It's not my position to lecture them or tell them their place or to even open their eyes up to it in a very visual way. But it is affecting me and it affects the words I write and the music we make. Wow, that's heavy. Yeah, so... Knowing that, like, is a different... Because nowadays, we're used to... I don't think they... It's not in the music and in the songs, but vocally, Bono is very vocal about things that he wants to speak about in the world and speak out against. But for him to say that it's it's not his place to lecture, which is true. 
he can educate in right and um he's not stand, stand by things you believe in this this and that he's not a lecturer and pe- people may think it comes off that way but really he just is he's telling he tells the story he tells his and his truth and what he believes yeah so i thought um, that was really interesting that is really interesting i mean that's a and, great quote and mothers of the disappeared was an actual group this was a campaign trying to tell the story of these families that had lost, whose loved ones had literally disappeared, and the using their mothers to tell that story. So it's not just the name of the song, but it's actually the name of a campaign that was in El Salvador. So, hashtag Sting. Yeah. Sting has a song with the same exact subject matter. Uh, they dance alone off the album Nothing Like the Sun. Yeah. I've been waiting for that hashtag Sting for two episodes now. You sure have. Um, yeah, so I read I read a thing where Bono said he wrote the song, or he wrote the guitar part, I guess, on his mother-in-law's Spanish guitar, as you do. <laughs> and then I'm like, no follow-up? <laughs> There's no follow-up to that? Why does Allie's Irish mother have a Spanish guitar laying around the house? Like, I need some backstory there. Right? Please. Like, don't just leave us hanging like that. Why? But... That brings me that it always surprises me how much Bono contributes musically to the songwriting. Like you think of him vocal, you think of him lyrically, but he really has a, you know, he really takes care of a lot of that music. I mean, yeah. especially on this album, like half the songs, I swear, Edge says, I got to give Bono credit for this one. Or right. Bono says, you know, this is how I wrote that, whatever. But from what I understand so he came up with the guitar for mothers of the disappeared trip through your wires and uh what was the other one i just mentioned oh in god's country yes because he was helping edgy out yeah he was motivating edgy this is another song where the music may as well be the lyrics because the music tells the story of you know loss and despair in central and south america with and you don't really even need those lyrics. You no. can hear it. You can hear it in the in the music. What this song is that just yeah. The lyrics are just a the vocals just become another instrument in the telling yeah. versus the visuals. Yeah, which I mean, it's interesting because I mean that happens a lot on YouTube stuff. But the two ones that knock it out of the park are the two about El Salvador. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. It's a beautiful song, and I love that they continue this tradition of ending on these prayer-like tunes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) And they end the shows on it, too. Um, Over whiskey and cake, I would ask Bono, what opinions of ours would you like to hear regarding the Joshua Tree? Like oh yeah, we do you have questions for us like what we like and what we don't like and what's our favorite and where his voice sounds best or I don't know like ask us some questions, buddy. We're we're bringing the cake. Yeah right. Yeah, I'm not paying for the whiskey. He's got that, <laughs> but uh, we're bringing the cake at least. So my question for Bono over whiskey and cake. Be, I'm. I really want to go back to this Red Hill Mining Town remake. Is it? Does he really think it's better? 
Or like, what was, why that song? Why did they re-release? I don't know. I'm. I mean, I would think that it would, it would be because that's the song they never played. Yeah. To kind of hype every, because it wasn't a single. It wasn't to like resell the Joshua Tree. It was to hype the tour. Right. Because you really think the new version is that much better. Recorded. The new recorded version. certainly hope not. So I have an afterthought quote. Okay. And this comes from Paul McGinnis, their manager at the time. Someone had asked them about the Joshua Tree coming after the experimental nature of the Unforgettable Fire. And his quote is, I thought that was a wonderful record, but the Joshua Tree was an extraordinary achievement. The best thing about the Joshua Tree, marvelous and magnificent as it is, is that they can do 10 times better than that. They can make much better records than that. The group is just beginning, and it's more fun than I thought it could possibly be. Wow. Oh, God, I have chills. I really like that. <laughs> really, really like that. Well done picking that yeah. one out, Jenny. So that was a good end note to this amazing album. That is, yeah. And that concludes our Josh Retreat. So this is also our last album podcast of 2019. It we, sure is. We'll, we still have many ups on the horizon, but in terms of albums, we'll see you and rattle and hum in 2020. And yeah. that's a new decade, Jenny. In that 10 years. Yeah, in 10 years, is it going to be 2030? And that's like the distant future. (laughs) It is. I mean, we were born in the 70s, and in 10 years, it's going to be 2030. Wonder how many shows shows we'll see before 2030. I know, right? A lot. Especially. Better be fucking right. uh, It better be a lot. I swear to God. If anyone's listening, um, we're not joking here. We're not done. And we've got a whole Garden Tarts world tour. Hell yeah. We've already started planning it. We've got the motorhome. We're going to do on-site interviews. We're going to get the fans involved. You guys are going to hear us podcast from Jenny's uh, Bonobago. (laughs) (laughs) The Tartmobile. The Tartmobile. (laughs) I'm ready. I I mean, not financially. But I'm all geared up and I could pack my suitcase with tour stuff right now. This is another thing we should add an ep about is preparing for a tour. Oh, that's a good one. We'll do it pre-tour. Pre-next tour. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever that is. Hopefully very, 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 very soon. Well, let's give my pocketbook a little bit of time to read. So I'm thinking 2021. Okay. Let's do that. 21, maybe 22. 22 is maybe a long way away. But if the excitement starts in 21. Right, that's true. I'll get there. Or maybe if someone would just tell us what's happening in the future. Okay. I mean, not, not like, you know, not like a crystal ball or a time machine, an actual person. Um, Larry. It would have to be Larry. Larry tells us. What's going to happen next? That would be nice. Put it on the calendar. Yep. Just get, yeah, let me know now. We won't tell anybody. We really won't. You have no idea. We're actually very good at secrets. You have no idea what our lives are. We have all kinds of secrets. You don't even know. (laughs) You don't even know what we know. 
<laughs> I mean, not just in terms of U2 stuff, but just in terms of life in general. All kinds of stuff that we know that you guys just couldn't. And we can't. Can't say anything. Can't say. No. I mean, some well, eventually we can say this stuff, but it's got to all play out. Yeah. Our- <laughs> in real time <laughs> in real time maybe maybe let's have a little supersonic time in between and then get to real time sounds good to me yeah like just like let's hibernate until you sleep <laughs> until Larry wakes us up nap until Larry wakes us up it's I've got girls. this really nice weighted blanket and my fancy pillows, and I could just go to sleep for a while. So what would Larry say if Bono would call us, hey, ladies, and Edge would call out, what's up, bitches? (laughs) (laughs) We've had this discussion before. What would Larry say? I don't know what he would say. What would Adam say? I feel like Adam would say something creepy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Adam would just have like this. He just has... Some mighty eye contact. I feel like Adam would just have this really, I think, sweet smile that would just be like, come here. (laughs) But Larry might be like a firm handshake. See, do you think so? I feel like Larry might just be like. (laughs) (laughs) You think he's got like a dead fish thing going on? It's like flops. Like he doesn't have time for. He doesn't want to. He's got he's too much of a germaphobe or something for a firm handshake. Yeah. I met this I met this lady that's the wife of a pretty major politician a couple weeks ago. And holy crap, that lady did not know how to shake a hand. Really? Yeah. How would you have like be- that should be her life? I I would think so, but it really kind of was disturbing. Yeah. No, I feel like Larry wouldn't have time. Maybe he would fist bump. No. Do you they think do an elbow bump? He maybe would do that. Larry would just light your cigarette. He would do that. And then I could punch him in the back of the head and just run away, which has been my plan <laughs> for 20 some years. <laughs> punch him in the back of the head and run away. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't know that I did it. But that but we know I did it. But that's what counts. Yeah, I wonder what I would not for anyone listening. I would not actually punch Larry in the back of the head. No, but we have stories. We have great stories about that for another. We both have a nice Larry story. We both have a very nice Larry story. I will like actually singular have, for each of us. Yeah, I have a nice follow up to my Larry story, but it is very singular. It's still yeah. the same story. But yeah, we both have. We, let's just have an ep on Larry. Okay. I mean, not Edge, not It'll Adam. Take seven not minutes. Just Larry, mini ep. We'll time okay. it seven minutes. Okay. Sounds That's like all I got to say about Larry. <laughs> well, he's the founder um, of our favorite band. So. He is. And we, we love all the boys. It's just sometimes funnier to pickle on others in different ways than others and it's sometimes different to how we express our love this is very true this is very true hey well should we say good night and so long and farewell we should i think okay well we'll be back in like maybe a week or so to talk about more of the jt19 shows yeah but those are just many this is the official 
of our full length ups. This is the last one of the year. So this year, this is the end of the main season. Everything else will be bonus, and we'll come back in 2020 after yeah. the new year and talk about Rattle and Hum. So happy all the holidays, all of them, and uh, to all of you that are touring right now. Hope you have an amazing time. Safe travels. We're following what you're doing, and we're following yep. the band, and we will we'll be in touch. Yeah, and safe travels to the band, and much luck, and success, and longevity. Yes. And yes. may your wardrobe be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and your rainbows paved with smiles. <laughs> and may your hair stay in place. <laughs> and your glasses not fall off your face. And you don't fall on your face. No fa- knock on wood no right one now. Falls Hillary on nothing. No. It's me knocking no one, on wood. Hey, it's not just one person falling. People fall on those People stages. Fall. I don't want yeah. any of them to fall. I don't want anyone no. anywhere related to fall. I mean, I fall down, you fall down. We, we all, all fall, fall down. down. <laughs> and then you fall down and I fall down. Again. And, and I fall, fall down, down again. And then I fell down. And then they <laughs> fell down. <laughs> no one fall down. Stay upright. Okay, well, so long for everyone. Okay. Good night. <laughs> Remember listening. to tip your your bartenders and wait staff. Drive home safely. Yes. Cheers. Let's go have another. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people. And of course, we love talking to you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter the underscore garden tarts or you can even email us at we are the garden tarts at gmail.com we look forward to hearing from you soon if you enjoy this podcast we would love it if you would share it with your other youtube loving friends as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts on we would really really love that May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.